Hello, and welcome to Shakespeare, the roundtable discussion podcast where we talk about Shakespeare. My name is Chase, your mostly quiet producer. Today, we take a closer look at two noble kinsmen and get distracted only a little bit. If you want to help us support the show, please check us out at our network Patreon, patreon.com slash ghostlightmedia, or leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcatcher app, or you can find our website with a link to our merch store at shakespearepod.com. And now, on with the show. I'm going to hijack the banter to do some self-promotion. Oh, hijacking banter. Yeah, I am because I. I can't. I can't hear you though. Podcast. Chase is hogging your microphone again. Uh, I know, awful. I've started a new podcast. Yeah, Come I on. saw that. Yeah, so my friend Drew and I, who Drew is my oldest friend, who is not related to me. We have known each other for twenty-one years, and uh, we met doing theater, but we bonded and became friends over fairy tales and our love of stories. And so we have started a podcast called Of Slippers and Spindles, where we focus on a fairy tale each month and we read or watch adaptations of that fairy tale. And we've got a weekly podcast uh, where we break down those adaptations and nerd out about fairy tales. And it's really fun and it's pretty cool. And you should find us and listen to us. I will. I'll add it to my list of podcasts because I'm like... I'm pretty good about staying caught up with my uh, my Ghostlight uh, and Ghostlight adjacent podcasts. Ghostlight, I like Ghostlight adjacent. Well, because there's you know like uh, you know Arson um, and Novatero, which are not Ghostlight but involve people I know. Um, Neo Scum, which involves people I know. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got my. Yeah. A few. I miss Neo Scott. I really do too, man. I keep I keep waiting for an update. I really miss that podcast. Well, as of right now, we have uh, three episodes. So we've got our introductory episode, and then we've got our Cinderella breakdown, and we just released this week our episode on Ella Enchanted. I, I saw um, you shared that. Yeah. Yeah, and so we've got like we're doing Rogers and Hammerstein, Cinderella. And we're doing the movie Ever After, and we're doing Cinder by Marissa Meyer, and then we're doing like the entire Disney everything. Cinder is in one episode. Cinder is still my very favorite adaptation. Like that whole series. It's amazing. I'm, and we yeah. My favorite way to get people to read that book, and I'm pretty sure this is how you got me to read it, was it Cinderella's is Cinderella's a cyborg and Earth's at war with the moon. Oh, I just break it down even simpler to it's Cinderella, uh, cyborg Cinderella versus the Moon Queen. Yeah, and if that doesn't get you to read it, then it worked for yeah. my mom. I told her that, and she's like, "Oh, uh, what?" But oh, all right, I mean, yeah, it's just it's it's my it's Drew and I being uber nerds about fairy tales for like forty five minutes. Cool and. Yeah. It's we're having a good time, and so at this point we're in the realm of well we're enjoying doing this. So look, that's all that really. Maybe matters. somebody else. Will I too. support my friends doing their nerd shit. I will happily yeah. enjoy friends nerding out and doing whatever makes them happy. We do this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We release so, two yeah. of these motherfuckers a month. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yep. So it's called Of Slippers and Spindles, and I know we're on Stitcher and Spotify and Apple. Well, you're probably but if you're on not Apple, sure then if I can find you. Broken into that Google market yet? But well, well, Google's we're, we're Google's actually they're getting rid of their play music, and I believe they are going to a specific. I know, and I've got major beef with it, but I won't get into that. I yet. have an issue with it too because I use Google Play Music. Uh, for a lot of music listening. So. Me too. Someday we can have a conversation about how Google has overstepped and is going to have to pull things back if they're going to try to make it moving forward. And why you shouldn't invest. a conversation for a different day. That's why you shouldn't invest in Google right now. you know who else overstepped and maybe... No, finish the thought. Finish the thought. (laughs) Hang on. You know someone else who overstepped and may need to pull back... In their behavior is 
Theseus who shouldn't get involved in so many marriages that aren't his own because he's got his own problems to Especially when, like, did he actually get married? (laughs) Well. Yes, because we saw the, we saw Act 5 of Midsummer. so. Oh, that's true. That's true. We did. To his proxy. So. Had his proxy do it. That's my segue. It's the best I've got. So I like it. we're it's talking good. about uh, two noble kinsmen here on the Shakespeare podcast. I'm Ryan Hatfill. I'm Beth Roars. I'm Cassie Greenley. I'm Chase Greenley. Uh, this is um, an adaptation, a dramatization of Chaucer's uh, Knight's Tale. It had actually been adapted a couple of times to stage before Shakespeare did it. Shakespeare just did it weirder. Yeah, so uh, Richard Edwards, uh, around about the mid-1500s, did Palamon and Arcite. Um, It was a uh, commissioned one-off performance for Queen Elizabeth in Oxford. Never punished. Published. He was never never punished. He was never punished. Well, if it didn't get published, it wasn't punished. Uh, and but this one is considered unlikely to have served as the basis for two noble kinsmen. Uh, another though, the author- authorship of which is not known, was performed by the Admiral's Men in 1594, uh, which had then recently been formed after a split in Shakespeare's own company. So the Admiral's Men split off of uh, was it the King's Men? Yeah. Um, and Henslow commissioned the play, which may have influenced, uh, actually, that version may have influenced A Midsummer Night's Dream, which was written around that same time, uh, mid-1590s. And what's interesting, going back in the intermission and skimming through Chaucer's Knight's Tale, is that Shakespeare's stays very close to the source material. There's not a lot of deviation, honestly. Um, I think the biggest thing is the addition of the jailer's daughter. I don't think that that's which is not, in the Knight's Tale. Which is not tale. in the Knight's Tale, and it's actually sourced potentially from a different uh, play by a fellow by the name of Francis Beaumont, which is where, because um, the performance of the yokels comes from that play. So right. the subplot and the schoolmaster uh, who organizes that that troop um, is a lot like uh, a character from a Philip Sidney play, also very similar to Peter Quince. So we're we're borrowing all over the place. Um but so the, fun, the so some of the weirder stuff did not come from Chaucer, but the bulk of everything that happens with with Palamon and Arce and Theseus and Amelia is basically a Knight's Tale. It's a Knight's Tale. A Knight's Tale. Yeah, because the funny, the, funny um, the biggest difference. <laughs> sorry, yeah the the biggest difference that I noticed was that Amelia actually prays to Diana to not get married in Chaucer. In Chaucer's, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, the jailer and his daughter, um, that, that, that comes from another thing. And the, the funny thing in it, the guy that Shakespeare borrows from there, there's that schoolmaster character that he has Gerald borrows from two other locations. One of them being one of Shakespeare's own plays. So by borrowing a lot of that from there, he's actually borrowing from himself in the past as well, which I thought was very interesting. Um, yeah. Well, that's because this is the glue that holds together yeah, the Shakespearean theatrical universe. Yeah, it is. And even apparently some of the side, uh, side-related parts of the Shakespeare theatrical universe as well. The offshoots or tendrils. As the tendrils? Were. Tendrils, yeah. Um... So yeah, Amelia. Uh, everything, yeah, everything that happens is from Chaucer, aside from the jailer and his daughter. Which maybe that's why Shakespeare never bothered to give them names. 
Well, it was John Fletcher, man. Yeah, or yeah, or we can just completely blame Fletcher. Just well, blame if Act Fletcher. One was Shakespeare, then Shakespeare is to blame for her not having a name. Because she, this gets us into the the shared authorship question, which we touched on in the last episode. And it used to, so it used to be disputed. Yeah. It's not a question of was this a shared authorship because it absolutely was. Like this play was not written by Shakespeare alone for a lo- for a long time. It was written that by- was disputed, but eventually scholarly sources and ever and whatnot, everyone agreed. Okay, we have to accept that this was not just Shakespeare by himself. Um, and so the question that exists now is who wrote what. Um, and so doing a lot of different kind of comparison of how was language used and all that kind of stuff, what I was able to find puts forth that Shakespeare most likely wrote most of Act 1 and most of Act 5, and that John Fletcher probably wrote most of Acts 2, 3, and 4. And there's certain sections of the play where they're like, we really don't know who wrote these. But I think it's really interesting if you have Shakespeare writing the very beginning and the very end, because either he wrote the first scene, passed the rest off to John, and then got it back from him and went, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this to wrap everything up? Yeah, what what am I doing? Or (laughs) the worst Anne story ever. Yeah. Or he wrote the beginning, he wrote the end, he's like, I don't really know what to do in the middle. He gave it to John. John Fletcher, who was like, Okay, well, all I have to really do is follow along with Chaucer, but let's get let's get some added spice in let's there. Let's get weird in the middle. Let's get some added spice, and we're gonna throw in Becky with the good hair and Enoch and the jailer. We're gonna make them. We're gonna we're gonna revitalize that part. You know, we're gonna bring it up, and so. We can blame John Fletcher for the whole jailer plot. Let's no, do I don't it. mind the jailer plot. No, I think it's great. It helps. It, it well, it helps it be I don't know, relatable, I guess. Well, cuz you know, no, not even. I don't even know. But it's our site like, like there's there's so much comedy there with the knights. The knights, sorry, the kinsmen fighting each other and being ridiculous and being over the top. That then having this woman in the middle of it who she wins nothing. She loses everything. Yeah. She loses her mind. She doesn't get the man she wants. She, you know, puts her father's life on the line. There's all of this stuff going on with Becky. And I think it's interesting. I think it's a good story. Uh, it's a story all think... of it, all on its own, though. Right. So there's like there's two plays going on here, and the fact that actually there's more than just two plays going on here. The first act alone is a completely different genre of play than the rest of it. Yeah. And then we have this tragedy of Becky in the middle of this comedy of these two two kinsmen who are fighting at each other to get this woman who doesn't even want them. Why are we even set in Thebes? Well, that's because that's... If I am reading my synopsis of The Knight's Tale... That's where it was set. Yeah, but, but, but we don't have to be there. Right? We don't no. have to... Shakespeare didn't have to draw on that. He didn't have to have Theseus, you know... He could have taken some liberty and and moved so, it somewhere else. So is the question, why this now? Why this then? Yeah. I guess? Yeah, like, why? Because Shakespeare had a reason for a lot of his settings. You know, and this one is just like... Eh, because Chaucer wrote it there. You know, and he... Because <laughs> Babbage told me I had to do something uh, classic. Uh, so here we go. So, yeah, Burbage, Burbage wanted a classic. Well, but I think w- it is important to remember that 
this is purported to be Shakespeare's final play. Last. And I know we've we've said that a lot, um, but there is evidence to back that up. And I think this shared authorship question kind of supports that in a way. Like if Shakespeare was sick, if Shakespeare was not really in London that much anymore. Well, this was written, um, this was published three years before... Uh, uh, it was no, it was not three years. It was three years before he died. Was when this when yeah. when this was written. Um, it was his last play written. Uh, you know, supposedly last play written before he retired back to Stratford, um, from London, and then died. So, and so I think it kind of makes sense to have this one that feels a little bit phoned in where it's like maybe John Fletcher comes up to him in a bar and goes, hey, I've got this great idea to adapt Chaucer's The Knight's Tale and, into a stage play. And Shakespeare's like, yeah, OK, cool. Sounds great. I'll get you started. Um, and then you take it and fly with it, man. Yeah, well, yeah. Or he's like, or yeah, Billy Shakes is like, it's been done. It's been it mentoring, was, mentoring the younger generation. But yeah, but he, he's like, ah, oh, man, it's been done. We like fifteen ninety four, man. I was in my prime. I was writing. I wrote Midsummer Night's Dream, the dream, man. And you know Shakespeare, of course, he's drunk in the bar, and Fletcher's like, come on, man. And so Shakespeare's like, nah, you gotta spice it up. Ah, you throw a lovesick daughter in there, chasing after one of them. Throw, throw her in there. Hasn't so, that been done before? Yeah, but it always works. her into madness. Yeah, it's been done, but still, we're going to throw it in there anyway. Make her loony. Make her a little crazy. Uh, she dances with uh, <laughs> for money. She do, does what they... I can't. I gonna no. You're, Tina but Turner. Maybe that is... <laughs> maybe that is why it's... The first time we see, maybe the shared option, the first time we see them stop and be like, hey, maybe it is unethical to trick someone into sleeping with you. Is or John, to sleep John, with someone. Is John Fletcher going, like, throwing some shade at Billy Shakespeare? Be like, Shakespeare, I keep seeing you do this shit. And I know you said that it would work. You also told me to put a fryer in here to lead them around, but we're not doing that. I'm not adding a fucking fryer, Bill. But no, I totally but, see it as... Come on, you got a doctor in there already at the end. It could be a friar. It could be a friar. Doctor with a convoluted plot. That oh, could be the friar. Yes, and he's the one who's like, no, no, no. All right, here's what we're going to do. And this has worked before with a patient. I he locked him in a, a room for a while. I locked him in a room for a bit, and he went crazy. So we'll do the opposite. You follow her around, not in a room. Let her pretend stay, she's on a stay ship. Stay out of rooms. Sleep with her. Yeah. Just... Just the tip. It'll work. Just to see how Trust it feels. Trust me, I've only I've only killed people a couple like times. Half, like half plots. the time. Sixty percent of the time. It works every die. time. But sixty percent of the time. Forty percent of the time that it did work. Well, it everybody was one still person had to be a statue for sixteen years, but that was an outlying case. That was a total outlier. I cannot be at fault for that. I didn't know she was going to stay on the property. 60% of the time, it works every time. 60% of the time. Um, but yeah. No, so yeah, the, that actually is the friar in this. Yeah, the doctor, doctor is the friar. Is the friar. He's just going under an assumed identity uh, to protect himself. Because he's Someday. been... Because he's been in... Uh, Athens before. He's someday killed here. He'll kill again. Someday a non-drunken Shakespeare theologian will come across this podcast and be like, what the fuck are they talking about? Why is everybody a friar? Because it works. Everybody is not a friar. There is one friar. One. All friars are one. All friars are one. So he regenerates. Christopher Moore he, wrote the book. One the time Fool. he wore a really f- colorful scarf. 
I think that we should write the book, The Friar. The Friar. Absolutely. I'm in. I'm in. We November's totally coming. Nano Rimo. Nano Rimo. Nano Rimo, but no, yes. no, 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 but I think, honestly, I think any time that you have this this shared authorship you write with somebody, it's really easy to fall into things not meshing together well and having two very distinct voices. Yeah. And this is this is the only I, one that is, is clear cut there were two authors. And I mean, we've had it... We've had the question come up before. I don't remember which play it was. It's the one where they randomly start talking in verse in the middle of nothing with some guy and his son. And I don't remember. I have to go back to the tapes. uh, Yeah. Look, we talk a lot about Shakespeare. We do. It happened before where I was reading and I really got pulled out of a scene by why are they rhyming? Like, what's happening? That one was actually relatively recent. I think. And then, uh, I don't remember. Um, but this one, I didn't have that same sense as I was reading of all of a sudden, like, this isn't Shakespeare. So I, I think that it meshed together better, but I think, I think that when you look at this next to other plays from the canon and you look at it in terms of like, how tight is it? How, coherent is it i think it was all all well that ends well or two gentlemen it wasn't so it's probably all's well that ends well it might be um but but i think that when you just look at some of the wacky shenanigans that happen in this one and look, there are wacky shenanigans all over the place in shakespeare like we talked about the winner's tale (laughs) <laughs> but but those are endearing wacky shenanigans that I adore, whereas this play isn't. I don't know. Maybe I need Darren Kerr to direct it. I would love mind. for Darren Kerr to direct this play. I would uh, play. He couldn't save Brecht for me, so I don't no, know. No, look. <laughs> but it, yeah, with Shakespeare though, some things I trust. I trust no the man with them. Shakespeare. For sure, I have directed him twice in two different Shakespeare plays. I uh, trust the man with Shakespeare. I would, I would play. I would go out for Palamon or Arsites, uh if Darren Kerr was directing. I would direct this like a Mel Brooks play. Well, you can totally, you can totally one hundred percent do this play that way. I think that you could easily do this play that. Can you pull up your um, your spreadsheet for me, Cassie? Oh, we're going to the spreadsheet early, 20 minutes in, and we're going to the spreadsheet. I just want to know. Like, this is actually, I just want to know. I want to know. Well, and this this is on the spreadsheet, because the fact that it's on the spreadsheet is why we're even doing it for this podcast, because it wasn't on our original well, list. Well, because this is number 38. It's not. Yeah. And then I mentioned, yeah. you know, Oregon Shakespeare Festival includes Two Noble Kinsmen. And if they do it... Oh, I didn't tally. What's happening? You didn't tally? What? It's because they've only it's because they've only done it once. They did it one time? That's it? They did it one time in 1994. Must have been a slow year. <laughs> yeah, they've only done Two Noble Kinsmen what else did, once. What else did they do okay, in 1994? So I want to know what that season was. 94 was... The Tempest. Okay. And Much Ado. Okay. And Hamlet. And Two Noble Kinsmen. Okay. So three three heavy hitters and then one random. Well, no, but like... But that's the way they always do it. But this one can fit in with The Tempest, right? Because Tempest has got some wild shit in it too, right? You've got some wild shit going on in The Tempest. Honestly, the one that doesn't fit is Hamlet. In that season. Hamlet does get kidnapped by pirates at one point. He does. And p- kidnapped by pirates. <gasps> there are cool. no pirates in this play. There are no pirates in this play. If you try, if you try hard enough. 
that you can put pirates in. Uh, they just put the pirates in denim. It's fine. That's, that's right. If they're she denim, does, she they're, does sail on a, an imaginary boat. That's right. There is an imaginary boat. Instead of knights in white satin, we've got yokels in denim. Sure do like that jean jacket. I hate you a little bit. <laughs> knights in white satin. <laughs> but yeah, we got jean jackets in this but, bitch. The jean jacket but one of the questions. One of the questions that we asked in the last episode was... What is the takeaway of this play? And also, is it supposed to be funny? Um, and I, we've kind of touched on on those a little bit, like talking about how we would direct it, and we direct it with that highly comedic bent, Is it supposed to be funny? I believe 100%. Is it supposed to be? 100% yeah. supposed to be funny. Well, I, I think you can't write two characters as ridiculous as Arsite and Palamon and not intend for the humor to be there, because they are... Caricature. Well, and Chaucer's Canterbury Tales, uh, the you know, are funny. Yeah, but like, I mean, if you know the, Middle the English, yo-yo, <laughs> the yo-yo of Arsite and Palamon's relationship, like, gives you whiplash as you're oh, reading. Yeah, it. Jesus, and it that. It has the potential to be so funny because it's it's this push and pull, this constant tension with these two characters of Well there there's Sean Williams I love you, you're the most important person in my life, you're my bro, we're gonna be together forever. And then immediately the next sentence being, No, I hate you, we are fighting to the death. I forgot about it for a second, but now I've remembered. Well, like half the time there's Sean the Williams Scott and Ashton Kutcher in Dude Where's My Car. Um, and like the other half of the time they hate each other. I was trying to think of a good, that's like face off. It's, uh, you know, they're John Travolta and Nick Cage and face off then. That's a weird reference to pull. I always feel like you have to like have them literally in the middle of fist bumping. And then it turns into fist to cuffs. And then one of them sees... Amelia through the window, and then they have to like be doing that toddler thing, like trying to climb over each other to get to the window, giving each other noogies and shit. They've gone from war to jail, and other than the jailer's daughter, this is probably the first woman they've seen in months. Yeah, depending on how. I don't think they were in jail very long, but it could have been. They could have been in jail for a long time. In Chaucer's story, they're actually in jail for years before Arsite gets freed. In this one, it feels like they're there for a couple well, yeah, of hours. Felt, yeah, it felt like they were in the holding cell at County Lockup. All right, so I did a quick scan of the Wikipedia for Knight's Tale in our station break. And everything seems like, instead of being turned up to 11, which is normally what Shakespeare does, he took all the drama and turned it down to like three so that it was funnier. So instead of yeah. it being years, it, it's like a day or two. And well, yeah, they're 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 in the drunk nights. Like Theseus sends them back away for a year. They're to gather a hundred nights and come back and have a gigantic battle. This is a huge for melee. Amelia. Yeah. Instead, it's all right. Bring you three guys of your go, dudes. Three dudes. Round robin. Let's see. Let's get this done. Let's get this done. And it 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 feels very much to me like he sends them away, and there should be a scene where Hippolyta turns to him and goes, "Are you sure about this?" And he goes, "Are you kidding me? It's going to be fucking hilarious." <laughs> you idiot. saw you saw that these guys are idiots. This is going to be the funniest shit. They're going to come out here ever put on at my like place. The fucking Keystone cops. It's going to. Well, why did you make them wait a month? Well, we're still on our honeymoon. Like, <laughs> I got people planned for the next month. I don't have anybody planned to come in for at least. Yeah, we got like we're setting up. We need something setting up future entertainment. At which point, Hippolyta's like, at some point, you're going to get someone legit to come entertain, though, right? At some point, it's not going to be yokels from the woods. No, I got no, those. It's... I got those mechanicals coming back. 
That's see, he just wants to watch Leonard Kenny all the time. <laughs> they're gonna do. They're gonna, He's what, a Tiger what, King. What's thing? wrong with wanting to watch Leonard Kenny as much as you can? Well, I don't know what's wrong with it. I don't know. I can't even talk like those guys. They're uh, no, well, they're Canadian. Oh, that's true. He's he's <laughs> having he's having the mechanicals back. They're gonna do the sequel to Pyramus and Thisbe. It's all about the man in the it's moon. All, it's, all about. it's all about the dog and the man in the moon. <laughs> I like that. Keith is revengeance. It's the lion. The lion is, uh, he's getting his own show. It's called The Lion King. <laughs> it's based on Hamlet. <laughs> it's, based, it's based off this other play called Hamlet. I Maybe you've heard of it. I'm not gonna bite. <laughs> Well, no, it's because Pyramus and Thisbe is like a knockoff of Romeo and Juliet, so. It is. Or Romeo and Juliet is a knockoff of Pyramus and Thisbe. Either way, well, really. Pyramus and, but yeah, we never. Pyramus and Thisbe has been around a lot longer. Yes, I know. Uh, we never answered the what. what is the takeaway. What is the takeaway? What are we supposed to get? Oh, from this man, I wish I fucking knew. Besides laughs. Pose. Besides a good time. Pose before bros. <laughs> unless you forget. Unless you forget. You forget which order it's well, in. Yeah, these, not these, unless. It's until. until these, two guys, these two guys are drunken, it, drunken frat brothers. Yeah. That, like, saw a pretty girl and then were like, oh, no, man, dibs. And then they were like, they got more drunk. And they got into the drunken stage of, oh, no, man, I love you. And they're hugging. And then they saw the girl again, and they're like, oh, fuck you, man. No, we're fighting again. And then they got Taco Bell, and they were cool <laughs> for a minute. And then they fought to the death for the hand of a girl that they barely knew. Yeah, and it's like at any point you expect them to either sober up or for somebody who is sober and a responsible adult to come in and they, put a stop they to needed it. A instead, adult, instead, and instead they got Theseus. They got Theseus, man. Who's just, just yucking it up. And his in Midsummer, he throws gasoline on fires. He In this he, one, he's doing the same thing. He loves trash fires. His character is consistent, at least. It's, it's not like it's not like Merry Wives, where... Falstaff is like, not Falstaff? Falstaff is not Falstaff. Like, at least... He's on brand. It is Theseus. Like he's recognizable. Oh yeah, you he's can starting tell shit it's again. Theseus. He's totally on brand. Um, and he's he's more on brand in this. Like he, like this is like the spiritual successor to Theseus from Midsummer, where he's like, "Nah, I I won Hippolyta now, so she now I get to show her how I'm really am. Let's get some shitty entertainment in this bitch and watch some drunk frat guys fight each other." We will go on a hunt through the woods, and we will be accosted by everybody who lives there. You just I watch. I promise you, we're going to find some jean jacket-clad yokels in the woods, and they're going to do like, a dance. They're going to do a dance of their people. I've always wanted to go to Athens. I don't want to go to his Athens. I'm not, no. I want to go to his. Sure. Yeah, I, I want to go to Theseus Athens. Like, Midsummer is an episode, like, that opening court scene is just an episode of Jerry Springer. They come out. He's like, yeah, you gotta do what your dad says. Oh, come on. Show me some leniency. Tell you what. Tell you what. Tell you what. Instead of immediately killing you, we'll give you a, a week. And then he stops these guys in the woods from fighting. Alright, alright, alright. Instead of killing each other today take a month and let's make it a bigger fight. Yeah, let's kill each other in a month. Theseus's Athens is what Timon is protesting when he <laughs> runs away to live in the hills. That's right. I'm going to I'm still like I I think that we've all come to the consensus that we're at least in 2020. I'm going with Timon. I, absolutely. Oh, yes. I want to go live in a cave in the woods. And dig up gold. And I, will and fucking, I will fucking throw rocks at, at assholes who don't bring me potatoes. Hell yeah. Cut. Two bears. 100%. Time in 2020. That's right. <laughs> Time in 2020. 
I'm on board. The problem is that I would make that button, I would wear that button, and everybody would be like, is he libertarian? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Chase, can you please make a time in 2020 button for the website? uh, I'm going to work on this right now, actually. (laughs) Wait, who's his running mate? Jesus. Who's who's Timon's running mate? Yeah, uh, Pericles. Timon rocks. Timon rocks. Timon no, Pericles. Timon Pericles. Oh yes. Pericles is his running mate. He makes the best decisions. He used to be the secretary secretary of transportation. Ah <laughs> 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 oh, fuck! I made myself stupid. Laugh. Oh, <laughs> uh, then let's make a, a palm olive in offsite. Let's make them the Secretary of Homeland Defense. One, one's Homeland Defense and one's DOJ. There we go. One's DOD, one's DOJ. Let's watch them fight as the way they do now. Yeah. Let's watch them fight CIA versus uh, FBI. No, somebody somebody should be. I don't know who's Timon, Timon of Athens' uh, running mate would be. No, I'm all for Pericles. I think, yeah, Pericles. I think it should be. Yeah, Pericles. I mean, if we're going to pick other people who are also making legitimately good decisions, uh, like Horatio. No, it's got to be Speed. Timon and Speed from Two Gentlemen of Verona. Mm. Oh, yeah, Speed's a good choice. Speed's a real good choice. Let's talk about our permapins. I know. Okay. Yes. You know, just to be back a little bit. Oh, uh, agency of women. Let's kick that. Yeah, one agency off. of women. There is none. Not a fucking lick of it. And the one woman who does decide to take a little bit of agency. So let's let's play devil's advocate here. That the jailer's daughter has agency. She makes a choice. She lets the dude out of jail. They're going to run off together. She thinks they're going to be married and happy or whatever. I don't know what she thinks. She's being a basic bitch. She's being such a Becky. She's such a Becky. Such a Becky. She makes terrible decisions. She is punished with madness. Everybody else. For making a decision. Every other woman. Every other woman. Hippolyta. Queen of the goddamn Amazons. And it pissed me off in Midsummer. You can roll the tape back on it. Pisses me off now. Most powerful troop of women. She says nothing. It makes me wonder if uh, Shakespeare knew what it meant to be the queen of the Amazons. Or if it was just like, well, that sounds impressive. Well, it's just, I mean, well, every, look. there's so many like classic references, classical references uh, to mythology throughout his plays. It seems absurd that he wouldn't know. Look, if he's pulling out references to Hecate and stuff like that, I'm pretty sure he knows what the fucking Amazon is. I am too. This is a tangent, but I do want to bring it up. It is just mind-bogglingly bizarre to me that two sisters, one is named Hippolyta and the other one is named Emily. Amelia. Those just well, don't seem... that That is just the name from Knight's Tale. But yeah, it's a dumb name. But those those just don't see. I like the name Emily, but those just don't seem to belong to the same family. It's like we've got this family that comes. Well, to Well, remember library. what we were talking about uh, with uh, what was the play that we recently did? That have you ever heard the story of Ricky Tiki Tembo No Sa Rambo Achikachikuchi Tikteri Tembo? Yes. So that's what happened. The firstborn Hippolyta is given a beautiful name. But the second born is given a very, very short name. Too bad that when they have to pull her out of the well, that long name won't be helping anything. Nobody? No, I I know what you're talking about. Thank you, Rudyard Kipling. Is it Roger Kipling? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cherry Berry Rucci. Take Terry Tembo. <laughs> um... But yeah, Agency of Women is not great in this one. For all that there are a lot of female characters there's in it, there's a high number for a Shakespeare six. play. Now, granted, one set really only is there for like the first couple of scenes. Um, so I suppose I suppose the widowed queens have some agency because they well they demand come to Theseus. Yeah. 
they come to Theseus to get some shit accomplished, and they get that shit accomplished. But they are queens in their own right and are not even afforded the ability to go get their husbands, which is like a well, that's 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 Creon though. Rules of war. That's Creon though, being a dick. That's not because they don't have agency. That's because Creon's yeah. a real dick. Because then they turn around and they come to somebody else and they're like, "You will go help us." I don't care that you're on the, your way to get married. You will postpone your wedding to go deal with our Let's stuff. Go deal with I'm our gonna, shit. We're not even from your country, but go do our shit. I'm going to begrudgingly give it because there's no argument against it, but they are such flash in the pans and they don't even have names. They barely, Queens yes, they are barely there. Yeah. And, and if they had better agency, they wouldn't be coming to a man to do their work for them. They would be out there commanding their own army. Yeah. To get their husband's but bodies back. It's And it may be that their armies were decimated and the you know, they knew Theseus had one, so they came to him. And I, I guess the biggest problem as far as the female characters in it is that I mean, Hippolyta is one in battle. So maybe she's in love with Theseus. Maybe. But she's won in battle and now must marry him. Right? Mm-hmm. Amelia is won by battle and doesn't want to marry, is in love with Flavia, doesn't want to be with a man, and is forced to marry. Mm-hmm. Becky is in love with someone else, is tricked while mad into marrying the wooer, None of the women get anything they want. Except for the queens who get the dead husbands. And I'm sure that's not exactly what they want either. Well, no. And Hippolyta may be getting what she wants, but she's so... Quiet. Barely in this. And barely in in this or Midsummer, for that matter. The only times we see her speak is to beg her husband for something. Yeah, and I, I really didn't like that she's also pushing Amelia into marriage as well. Yeah. Yeah. Because Amelia's talking about Flavia and I'll never love anyone the way I loved her. And Hippolyta's like, oh, sure you will. We just got to find you the right man. Which just is not a good response to no. that so information. If you get some everyone- prime dick, you'll definitely be ready to marry somebody. <laughs> Blech. Well, that's what Hippolyta says. I know. So, yeah, and my agency of women. Is, agency of women is not well represented in this no, show. It's not. And so we've At seen all. through all of the Shakespeare plays that we've read a couple of times where we see um, LGBTQ plus characters representation, representation, or that could be interpreted that way. I feel like Amelia is a wonderful example of one of those representations who is just like, she's so shut down. Mm-hmm. Her, all- but every time, every time she has a speech where she's talking about picking one of these men to marry, it's more about like, can I make a choice that will keep somebody from getting killed? Yeah. And it's never about like, well, which man do I actually want? Well, yeah, because she would rather have with. both of the it's... men banished and go kill each other out of sight somewhere yeah. than actually marry either one of them. Well, it, it's yeah. a, like, why is it my problem they want to kill each other over me? I don't want them. Not, yeah, not my fucking problem. As far as I knew, I've never seen these two idiots in my life. I was walking in the garden, minding my business. When the idiots you have locked up were allowed to view me, and now they want me, and you're going to give me to them? They're prisoners. And that guy, he was my bodyguard for a minute, but now he doesn't have his jean jacket on, and fuck him. And now he's dead. And then he just hit his head on a rock. Like, And now he's dead, and before he died, he gave me to his cousin. He wasn't even mine to give. Like, I don't belong to anybody. You can't give me to someone. I'm not a prize to be won at the end of a duel. And you can direct 
this in a certain way because we don't ever make it to a wedding. We just no. hear about the the wedding that's being planned. the forthcoming proposed and so wedding. You can you can give Amelia a better ending depending on how you direct things, but on the page. It's not a great story for her. Like, so she's been captured with her sister and taken to this, this new land. Like she just kind of got dragged along for the ride. And I'm sure she'd much rather be with her people than where she is. Oh no. Yeah. A hundred percent. I am also 100% uh, certain of that as well. I feel like we keep playing with these themes, and I'm never sure if Shakespeare really wants us to see Amelia's plight for exactly what it is that she is being completely run over. Just like the, uh, gosh, what was her name? The the nun. <laughs> Isabel. Isabel. Yeah. Yep. In, uh, In measure, measure for measure. 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 So, it is so clear and apparent and I don't know, because I can't, I don't have a time machine, and I can't get into a time machine and see how the Shakespearean audience reacted to it. But as an audience member now, as a director now, I can't not look at how right. these women right. are being steamrolled beyond their choice. Amelia, here again, is a woman who doesn't want to get married, who has over and over and over and over again said she doesn't want to get married, has... um pretty blatantly made her preference known and no one around her is listening. Isabel makes her preference known. No one around her is listening. No, yeah, no one exactly. Helps her. So if we keep running into this theme over and over again, because I know there are other instances, that's just the other one that really stands out because it's almost identical. I just... Is he trying to show us this or was this funny to them at the time because they're both in comedies i want to well comedies in quotes yeah but i i want to believe that he's trying to show us that plight because if he wasn't then why put it in why and why right? do it like if he wasn't trying if he wasn't trying to highlight it why would he put in the scene about how much she loved flavia and she'll never love anybody else that way why would he put in um, this wishing not to get married, he would just write her falling in love with one of the men or falling in love with both of the men. So I think that the fact that those questions are raised in the text itself speaks to, or at least, I don't know, maybe I'm giving Shakespeare an unfair benefit of the doubt, but I want to. So, oh, I, you know, that he was trying to highlight that to the best of his abilities in the time frame he was working in. Yeah. And we we, we see... Like, looking back over this series, the things that I've taken away are that in these plays that don't often get read, in these plays that don't often get produced, are interesting themes that are timely to now. I mean, some of them are just shit shows. But there are themes that are interesting and timely to now. Yeah. There are ones that are um, feminist. Just wonderful feminist pieces and then sometimes the feminism is just glossed over um beth did you just see the i did just see the 2020 yeah sorry that's why i went from like serious to laughing because it looks like his name is tim and speed it's the problem yeah i mean because that's how how they always lay these things out like look it's a first draft but by the time you're hearing this uh, 2020 design up on the ghostlight media merch store i was getting on a t-shirt and i will yeah i think i think let's go with pericles instead of speed i mean listen i think speed is a better running mate but i think timon pericles is going to be more easily recognizable i'm really glad that we're doing a timon 2020 poster picture whatever um I was driving around the other day and have noticed that there are, at least where I am, there are Mm -hmm. no campaign signs. There's a ton down this way. Our last presidential election, Slovenia, Ohio, not super progressive. Sure. A lot of Trump. Yeah. I've been been done driving out in the hills. There's 
No Trump. There's no Biden, but there's no Trump. A lot of Black Lives Matter signs grow up in this part too. Very proud that's, of them for that. That's good. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of BLM signs down here. A lot of Biden signs down here. Well, that's not surprising. A handful of Trump signs. Uh, well, I mean, BG went to Trump last time around. So well, I'm, Wood County went to Trump. Bowling Green. Fair enough. Yeah, in in town, enough. Bowling Green is much more mm-hmm. progressive than around Bowling Green. That's that's very true. All right, what were we talking about anyway? Uh, so that that kind of takes care of agency of women. Um, language, language. I didn't notice a lot. You're cutting. You're cutting out again, Cassie. Language. I didn't notice a lot of nothing major that I noticed. It yeah. It wasn't the style of the language, but there were some illusionary choices that I thought were very funny. And by funny, I mean the hymen thing and a new play being like a virgin. Yeah, the, from the beginning, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, I don't think we mentioned in our synopsis that the play does open with hymen, the goddess of marriage, descending and... Which is not the first time she shows up in one of Shakespeare's plays. No. I'm all for- No, but the other time she shows up, she's a deus ex machina... <laughs> Dropping in at the end. Yes. In As You Like It. Just to make everybody married now. But yeah, I, I didn't really notice any switches. Nothing caught. Like, I always, I don't notice them the way you do. But since you brought it up the first time in Midsummer, I notice when it jars me. And I, I did notice that the, the jailer's daughter goes back and forth a little bit between prose and verse. When she's talking to herself, it's more in verse. When she's talking to other people, it tends to be in she's prose. More, uh, she's more um, sing-songy we have when she's by herself. Yeah. But I was I was kind of paying attention to it just to see if there was some kind of notable difference that might pinpoint when was Shakespeare writing and when was John Fletcher writing. Um, but I didn't see anything that really stood out to me with regards to that. Well, it could have been that Shakespeare, you know, gave him the beginning and the end and then went through with a, you know, a, a fine tooth comb. Yeah. And kind of yeah. cleaned, cleaned it up. Or it could be that Fletcher, you know, emulated the style well and, you know, Obviously, it's. I think this was a case probably of of Shakespeare mentoring uh, another author, you know. And, and obviously, like like I said, Shakespeare is about to die when he writes this play. Yeah, he leaves London after writing this play, goes back to Stratford, and dies within three years of writing this play. <laughs> Do you think he was like, "This is it, my opus"? <laughs> I think I think it was like. He's like, I've tied, I've tied them all together. He's like, no, this is it. (laughs) My last paycheck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think his opus was like the Tempest, and then John Fletcher came and was like, I want to write a play with you. And Shakespeare's like, God damn it, John. God, you're just like that. I don't have another one. You're just like that Decker. Just pull something from Chaucer. Fuck that Decker. Decker kid. I like his bloodier early works. I saw her bubbies. So uh, and then our last perma pin, of course, is adaptations. It is an adaptation. So what exactly? All like it is itself. It's meta. It's all Chaucer. If you don't like it, Chaucer wrote it. It's that's that's the meta of it. Uh, it is an adaptation, so everything is an adaptation. I think instead of the if we have offended think that this is all a dream and all is mended. Instead of that, I think I'm going to start finding a way to end emails and shit with this. Like, oh, if you didn't like it, it's okay. It's Chaucer. Someone else wrote it. Chaucer wrote it. Someone else wrote it. Um, But that is an interesting correlation between two plays that share a lot in common. So 2000... Is that... Oh, go ahead. We've again got somebody coming in for an epilogue to be like, look, if you didn't like it, it's a dream. Mm-hmm. If you didn't like it, uh, blame, blame, blame Chaucer. Blame, blame, blame fucking Jeffrey Chaucer. 
He shit on the stairs. Shit up Chaucer. God damn it. I forgot. My mother-in-law had a dog named Jeffrey Chaucer who pooped on the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Jeffrey Chaucer took a shit on the chair. Fucking stairs. Uh, 2016 RSC did it. Um, at the Swan. And it was in the 2018 summer season at the Globe. Oh, nice. Yeah, there was a picture. I would absolutely. With some interesting costume choices. But this sounds. I would absolutely this, do this show. This is the one that sounds really interesting. The Porters of Hellgate in Los Angeles. So Porters of Hellgate must be uh, a Shakespearean company, obviously. Directed by Wilblock, repurposed the Morris dance as a hallucination featuring major characters from the jailer's daughter's life. They also didn't give her a name, apparently. Becky's life. It also excised... Uh, it. They cut the prayers from Palamon and Arsite and focused the scene instead on Amelia's dilemma. So, Which is good, because that's what valid. I care about. So the prayer, the prayer yeah, to win, the prayer to marry her, they cut that, and they focused on... Amelia in that scene. So that sounds interesting to me. It sounds more interesting done that way. I don't know of any major film adaptations. I don't either. And, and I got nothing on the YA novel or a literary web series front. And we, like, look, we debated putting this in. Period. That's why it's all the way. Like, I'm glad we did it at the end. Because we would not have caught half the stuff. But, um... Uh, the Globe, the Globe Theater one, there's apparently a recording of it. I might go watch it. I'd like to see this on its feet. I want to see if it's as funny as I think it can be. I want to direct it as a slapstick comedy. I think that would be great. Oh, everybody's, oh man, oh. Oh, oh. that's good. That sh- I, I thought y'all would appreciate <laughs> that. That fucking ship's this- wheel is choice. If you guys don't know, Chase Greenlee is a master designer. That's 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 choice. Let's send it to send it to I'm print. I'm getting this on a t-shirt. I, no, this this is gonna be my mask. Send it to print. Because you, hey, t- hey, if if you didn't know, our merch store also does cotton masks. Awesome. So if you like, everybody should be are wearing masks on a regular basis. You can get some cool Ghostlight Media merch and put it on your face. You can get some. You can get some Shakespeare mask. Get a Time and Pericles twenty twenty mask. <laughs> get yourself. A- I'm really glad that you put the Shakespeare podcast underneath it. Uh, because well, it, yeah. I think it's important that people know that it's from Shakespeare. Because every single person who sees it is going to be like, "Oh yeah, no, this is this is among the more confusing references on." Oh like, yeah, for sure. And this is in, including the very specific callouts to um, you know the the D and D and Cipher System podcasts that we have uh, also on the Ghostlight Media Network. Uh, as well as the in jokes from I missed it. No, I think this one might be the weirdest and most. This out is there this is the most in. This is the most but, in. I think I think you're right. I think I agree with you on that, Chase. This is the most in. It's joke. it's niche. I'll give you. I'll give you that it's niche. We, well, we are niche. We are. And also, this is good. This is also probably limited time merch as well because this this is not going to like. I'm taking it down after 2020. Well, yeah, you're not going to be we'll wanting to, to find buy somebody a, new to rep. Shirt in 2021. This is high Look, item. Officially limited time merch. This is yeah, I'm limited pretty time sure only. Sure that I held on to all of my Cthulhu 2012 stuff. Mm. But this is a hot ticket right here. They are going to they're they're for gold and <laughs> okay. potatoes. And transportation. You're... That's their that's their ticket. <laughs> what pair of will fight Poseidon? They're running taters on t- for all. T- taters, taters and transports. That's their platform. Weird dinner parties. Yes. For everyone. Rock soup bitch. <laughs> Forget your family, 2020. <laughs> oh, I really man. hope so, that if people have listened to all 74 of these. 75 now. This is 75. The the takeaway at the end 
of the first season or whatever is. Man, they really think Tim of Athens is funny. This is the best of all time. <laughs> That's it's because so it ridiculous. is. Oh, dude, time, time of Athens. Oh, man. I'm going to do that play again. I know. I was all expecting that. Yeah. It's one of my favorites. Look, there, there is a... Absolutely, there is a future of this show where we go back through and we do it again. Um, we're probably a little ways we're, out. That's, from that's that. like season a while, three or four. Yeah, three. Yeah, four. We're gonna do this show for another three years before we get back into doing them all over again. Because <laughs> we've been doing this show for three years. Yeah, it's been a while. I was a while earlier today. I was <laughs> thinking you. about I, how we first head, started. Chase. Around your little the kitchen table, kitchen table. Yeah. Yep. We're in chainmail. The chainmail didn't come in right away. Chase didn't protect our borders in the first episode. (laughs) We would order pizza. It was so much. No, that's how I got in. It's true because you were just supposed to be a guest star because you lived there. Because you lived there, so you popped in, and then you became a permanent fixture. And then you lived there. Well, because without her, we suck. (laughs) No, we don't suck. We just uh, no. uh, somebody that first somebody you listen to her terrible. way better than y'all listen. We just to me yeah, we just would never get through anything because eventually. Chase, I'm not listening to you now when you talk. <laughs> I know. No, we needed what did we you needed say? Cassie to come in and be a wrangler and keep us moving. Speaking of wrangling, do we have anything else to talk about? Nope. With uh, no, I was just to, I was just going for two noble going kinsmen. For filler at this point. Um, we don't. I don't think we need to fill more than an hour. No, I don't. Um, but no, actually, no. This play, I think, I think it's a lot of fun. I think it has its problems. I think you can fix those problems relatively easily. Um, you fixed a main one for me at the beginning of the podcast, last podcast. Fix that. We named her Becky. That's right. We fixed that. She's Becky now. Done. She's Becky. Um, Enoch the Wooer and no. Becky. With the good hair. Becky, Becky with the good... <laughs> she doesn't cheat. No, she doesn't. She's loyal. But all your shit's in a box to the left. But, uh... No, uh... Like, this play is very doable. It could be a laugh riot. You could have a great time doing this show. You could slim this down. Tight. Hour 15. Hour and a half. Like, slapstick the whole way. You don't even have to think about like what 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 message am I really trying to send? No, you can just make this stupid funny. Now, um, yeah, and you can like I said, you you fix some of the problems, you excise some things. One streamline, two prop some problematic nature, um, and a few of the things that we talked about. You maybe give you maybe work on trying to find a way to give your female actresses. More opportunity to show some agency in these characters that were not written with a whole lot of it. Um, but you can. Look, it's not the first or the last play. No, but, without agency for the women, I'm pretty sure I've seen. Yeah. What did I read? The Phlebotanist earlier this year. It was a terrible play. I hated it. But the women had no agency in it anymore. But yeah, you can you can make this a laugh riot, barn burner, have a good time. Um, totally enjoyable play. And at the end of the day, hey, we're going to do some air quotes, Shakespeare. And this would be, so I've been talking with the village players about how we want to reopen. This would be a great Mm -hmm. play for a reopen. Oh, yeah. Something stupid, silly, and doesn't cost any money. Yeah, yep, no, no rights. You don't really need any sets. Nothing really calls for a set in this. Like, you need a jail. Beth, please make that the tagline of your production. Stupid, silly, and didn't cost us any money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's the fucking... Yeah, yeah okay, that's it right done. there. Stupid, silly, it's actually, and didn't cost Well, because the last money. one I pitched, I did an entire, like, Sarah Chambers-level, like, script analysis for them. Uh, including like the uh, like a a stage process where like how many actors, how I would do it, how much it would cost, all that kind of stuff, and I handed it in, and they're like, 
This is a law. My God, I want you to know what I want to do. Why are you messing with Shakespeare? All right, fine. Let's not mess with Shakespeare. Tell you what. It's stupid. It's silly. And it doesn't cost any money. It's all I'm turning in mm-hmm. this time. Yep. Seriously. Well, be, I've even got, I've got the plastic foils in the basement that make weird sounds and they don't even look like real swords. You're fine. I feel like that could be the tagline for our podcast, too. <laughs> stupid. Silly. And it didn't cost stupid, any money. Silly. And it doesn't cost us or you any money. And with that, yes. friends... This is the Shakespeare Podcast. Right, this has been a Shakespeare Podcast production. I'm Beth Roars. I'm Ryan Halfhill. I'm Cassie Greenley. And I'm Chase Greenley. Say goodnight, John Boy. Good night, John Boy. Podcast is over. Where's my... Ah, oh, fuck, I left my jean jacket in there. Oh! oh. Nice. Maybe it's, maybe it's now, on the moose. We don't even have to, like, wait to get out of their house so they can go to bed. They can just literally shut us off now. It's true. Well, no, because I still need us to stop at right about the same time. So, three, two, one. This has been a Ghostlight Media production.